Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marsh. Today we are in the last of a series of messages based on this book, uh, The Circle Maker. And before we get started, I want to show you a little video clip uh, that's a little humorous. And, uh, well, you'll see. Enjoy for a moment. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. It smells really How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> <laughs> She was 
was done. She was done. Thinking long. So we've been in this book on the study of this book, The Circle Maker, for a while, and we've been learning to pray bold player, prayers. Players. We've been learning to pray bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. When we pray beyond ourselves, right? Because if we're praying for things that, that I can do, then that doesn't really make sense, right? It's when I pray for things that only God can do. That's what, where I am honoring God's power, his, his ability, his, his, his love, His willingness. I'm honoring, when I, when I pray His promises for us as people, I'm honoring God when I pray that God answer those prayers to change our hearts. Lord, change my heart, Lord. That's a prayer that honors God because that's something only God can do because I can't change my heart. I can't restore a relationship, but God can. And so we pray those things, those things that, that we can't do on our own that we trust that God is trying to do. So if I were to ask you right now, right, what is one thing that if, if, if God, if you could pray it right now and God would answer it right now, what would it be? Like that's a big prayer. That's a big dream, right? That's something big that, that is beyond me, but, but man, how awesome would it be if God would answer that prayer right now? It would change our lives. And I don't know what your prayer, what the thing you've been praying has been, but, but if God would do it right now, that's, that's a big dream. Dream big. To keep circling that prayer, right? That's the second part, was, was to pray hard. It was not just praying for something to be done, but, but to continue to pray. To pray hard. To pray yearningly, desperate prayers for God. Praying through their existence. Because it's a promise that God has made to his people. So I'm going to pray hard. Today we're going to look at the third aspect of this living a prayer circle, uh, prayer circle life, right? The key ingredient, I think, to having this kind of prayer life. If we want to be people who are persistent in prayer, then we need to develop this quality of thinking long. But it applies to more than just your prayer life. It applies to all of your life. What kind of, what kind of life do you want? If you want a life that's different than what most people are willing to settle for, then we need to think long. This quality. The point we're going to be driving at today and is, is this, that success isn't found in tomorrow's goal, but in today's faithfulness. All right? When you think about it, that may not quite make sense to you. When, when Honey the Circle Maker, right, we started this series out talking about this uh, historical Jewish figure who drew himself into a circle asking God to send rain, and I'm not leaving until you do, God. Just as Elijah had done, he, it did rain. It rained. But Honey's faith was the thing, right? He, he revealed his faith in the boldness that he asked, God, you're going to do this or I'm not moving. And he, he revealed it in his willingness to continue asking it until God answered. That is what became his success. That he was the circle maker because, because he was known to a man who was persistent in prayer that he dreamed big, that he prayed hard. And I would say that he thought long-term. To say our success isn't found in the thing that we pray for, but in our faithfulness to pray, may sound like a contradiction, but, but I want to break it down today. Because, let's face it, every time we quit praying, you and I, when we quit praying for something, it's because we don't think long-term. 
Every time we get into financial difficulty, it's because we stop thinking long-term. Every time we, we give in to a temptation, it's because we're not thinking long-term. This last night, yeah, I'll take three cookies. And then my mother-in-law walks in with an apple pie. Well, <sighs> right? Not thinking long-term. Not thinking long-term. Every bad decision is made when we don't think long-term. Whether it's back in school, when we, perform, when we underachieved academically, because we didn't think school mattered. We weren't thinking long-term. Or as we get older, when we start to have health issues, that we're dealing with problems that came into our life because back then we weren't thinking long-term. See, this marshmallow experiment that we saw, this little funny video, it was actually a real study that was done back in the 70s, I think 1972, I think is when it was done, in Stanford. Kids who were four or five years old were brought into a room and were asked to resist the marshmallow. Don't eat the marshmallow. Wait, and I'll be back and I'll bring you another one. And it's, it's funny to watch the reactions of kids, and you know that that was the real reaction of kids in the original study, too, and that was the reality. Some kids ate the marshmallow, some kids waited. But the amazing thing is, of the kids that waited, they studied, they studied these groups of kids as they grew up into adults, right? The, the children that were the, the, the patient ones, the ones who were able to wait for the second marshmallow, you know what was revealed about them when they, when they tracked those kids later in life? That as a group, as a group, they had less drug use. They had more happiness in life in every scale that you could imagine. Fewer struggled with addictions. Fewer had children out of wedlock. Fewer had, had problems of life. They, they scored 210 points higher on their SATs. All of these were irrelevant to the status of their parents. It didn't matter if their parents were blue-collar, white-collar, no-collar. It didn't matter if they were on welfare. It didn't matter if dad had run out. It didn't matter if parents were divorced, happily married, college-educated. It didn't matter. All that mattered was, was the kid willing to wait, to delay gratification. So when I was talking to Jackson about his phone, and I was talking to us about our phone, that's, that's our marshmallow, right? That's our marshmallow. How long will we put it there and not pick it up? To look, has anybody dinged me? Anybody messaged me? Anybody called? Did I miss a call? For some of us, it's not your phone. Sometimes, some, for some of us, it's your hobby or your family. The thing that, 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 that immediate gratification, that's the thing you go to. Delaying it, right, is a willingness to do today something that won't show a return until someday in the future. I've shared with you as a, as a coach uh, at the high school, we've been, we've been really wrestling with rebuilding the athletic program, and, and one of the things is, is teaching kids to do this, to invest today in something that, that they won't reap the benefit of for four years. It's tough. It's hard to get kids to buy into that because right now they, they're used to the, the alerts on their phone. Their brain is literally wired for it. And yet, Scripture gives us the antidote. Romans 12, 2. says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't, don't live your life like everybody else. Don't be willing to just do what everybody else is doing. Instead, be but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know and be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
What's the pattern of this world? What is the pattern of this world? Many of us know it. It's the buy now button. I want it now. I want it right now. I don't know how many of you are Amazon shoppers like myself, but but if it has... If it, if it doesn't have a 24-hour, 48-hour, two-day delivery date, I don't, even, I don't even consider it. It's an offense to me if they're going to sell something on Amazon and not get it to my house in two days. It's, I, I feel offended. I, honestly, I do. I just, skip, I just scroll right on past it. I don't even pay it any attention. So if any of you have Amazon stores that you're selling stuff on there, my apologies. But, but it's even worse if it's not there in two days. I mean, I'm getting so angry because the thing isn't delivered when it was promised in two days. And it's supposed to be, I had to wait two whole days for the thing to come from halfway across the world. And if it's not there, I want to send it back. But I know I never will because I wanted it so bad. Once, if it ever shows up, I'll, I'll hold it, I'll caress it, I'll pet it, I'll, I'll love it. I'll never mistreat it, whatever it was, right? Delayed gratification. I mean, Jeff Bezos invented this thing this buy it now button, right? And if it's not here in two days, we're not interested. If it can't happen in two days, what's the point? I mean, really. Years ago, they did a study on, on, that revealed this same thing. Uh, they, they, they did it with lab rats, right? They, so they took lab rats and they, put them, they gave them cocaine. And every time they would hit a button uh, in, the, in their cage, lights would go off and Bells would ring, and they'd get a dose of cocaine. And what they found out was the dopamine in their brains, little bitty mouse brains, were getting programmed, right? So then they said, hey, I wonder what would happen if we, stopped, if we didn't give them the cocaine. Would they still do that? Are they just doing it for the cocaine? And what they discovered was is that the, the lab rats would, would continue or would, would, would do it just for the dopamine effect in their brains, the thing in their brains that made them feel happy. Didn't need drugs. Just the stimulus that we're going to get from, from doing the thing, and it tells us that, oh, that's it. It's, it's the stimulus you get when the, your phone goes off that makes you feel good. It's the stimulus you get when, when somebody calls. It's the stimulus you get when you, when you find that, when you want that thing so bad that you just have to go and get it. You can't wait for it. It's that. The mice, the mice in the, in the test, what they, what they found out was that, how many times do you think the, the mice would punch that button? I won't, I won't make you guess. 2,000 times an hour. 2,000 times per hour. They would literally just keep banging it. They gave up food, water, sex. They were willing to die for the immediate gratification of that light flashing and the bell ringing. They're programmed. They program themselves, much like we're programming ourselves with the buy it now button. Even though we know that it leads to death, literally death in some cases, not being willing to wait. That's the way of the world. Are we tired of the ways of the world? Are you tired of the way of the world? What's the alternative? Peter wrote in Acts, or he said in Acts, each of you must repent of your sin, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, be baptized, right? That's always been the the teaching of the church, that you want want your life to change, you have to repent 
and be baptized. But then, right, the change comes after that. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, absolutely, to be incorporated into the family of God, absolutely. That, if you feel God calling you there, then that's where you start, absolutely. But the benefit of that is the then. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's where Romans 12, 2 that we were looking at a minute ago, that's where it comes into play, right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, it's about changing, it's not about changing behavior, it's about changing our beliefs. God doesn't care how you behave nearly as much as he cares how you believe. That's the thing that he matters, he cares about the most. Because when we get our beliefs in order, then our behavior just follows. Our behavior just goes along with whatever we believe. Everybody knows an iceberg when you see one, right? We don't have any around here, but we still know what they are. We know that the tip of the iceberg, right? You think of the tip of the iceberg as being our behaviors, the things we do, right? How we react. But what's below the iceberg, the, the big part down below, the, the part that's being driven by the currents of the oceans? That's the part that steers the whole thing. That's the part that determines the path. That's the part where it gets its stability. Behaviors are just the tip. Beliefs is what you can't see that determines what everybody sees. And God says, first, believe. First, get that bottom part together. First, get that underneath straight. And then the rest of it will just follow along. It'll just, it'll take care of itself. Thinking long term tells us to get that bottom together, to to stop trying so hard and to pray hard. To start to keep believing, to keep praying, keep trusting God. Get the bottom together and the top will work itself out. Stop looking for quick fixes. Start living consistently out of your faith. Behaviors, customs of this world say, relax, man. Just take it easy, let it happen. But when our thinking is renewed, when we come to know that we're loved by the creator of the universe, that, that, that we are loved, accepted, just as we are, when we know that, when you know that you're loved by the creator, when you know that the God of the universe loves you no matter what, then you say, well, you know what? I'm glad God loves me, but I still have some stuff I need to work out. And so then I'm able to walk into the messiness of my life the messiness of your life, and walk hand in hand with you, with one another, that we as a church can walk together through the, the, the hard parts of life with people. Because we know it's not, our acceptance by God is not dependent upon how I look, how I live. It's, but it's dependent upon what I believe. And so my life may look a wreck. But I'm able to, to surrender that to God. To, to present that to the Lord and say, here it is. All of it. You say you love me no matter what? Well, here's the no matter what. In Scripture, there's a familiar story of someone who prayed, who, 
who this thinking long shaped his prayer life. Thinking long shaped his prayer life, and a man named Daniel. Pretty influential figure in the life of the Bible. Uh, he's got a book named after him. That makes you pretty important. The book of Daniel, it tells a story about, about how he understood thinking long in his prayer life. Dan- Daniel was a Jewish exile. The Jews had been driven out of Israel. Uh, they were taken captive by the Babylonians when Daniel was very young. Daniel would go on to rise up to be the prime minister. So he, he, he went from a, a slave, a servant, all the way to being the prime minister. And, and all the while, he experienced intense pressure politically and every other way. And yet, God blessed him with wisdom and the ability to interpret dreams. He provided many of the prophetic uh, realities about Christ that God spoke through him as one of the prophets of old. Scripture tells us that Daniel prayed, and w- he would go into his closet in the upstairs of his house, and, and three times a day he would go up there for prayer. We don't know what he prayed for exactly. I mean, we know a few of his prayers because they're shared in the book of Daniel. But I'm sure that a regular prayer of his was that God would restore his people. That was the prayer that he circled. Now, he brought it to God in various ways, but he circled that prayer that God would restore the nation of Israel. And they were living in exile, scattered across the world. He studied the scriptures and he prayed. At some point, he discovered in the writings of the prophet Jeremiah that the Israelites would be exiled for 70 years. For 70 years. I'm sure when he read across that, he was probably like, ah, I'm not going to see the answer to this. I'm not going to live long enough to see the answer to my prayers. But he continued to pray. He continued to pray. Along the way, Daniel became known as an interpreter of dreams, and, and that gave him favor with the king. Right? The king would call him in to, to get his counsel. Different kings who were in charge over him. At one point, he interpreted some bad news for one of the kings, King Darius. And now that interpreting bad news for the king could be bad news for your head, right, back in that day. It didn't always mean good things. But King Darius did not shoot the messenger. Instead, he lifted Daniel up. He promoted him. He distinguished him above all others. And you know what all the others did in response? They got jealous, right? They all got jealous. Everybody, they all said, ah, that's that Jew. That's that Israelite. He, he worships his God. And so they made a plot. They tricked the king into writing a law that said, you can't worship any God except me. You can't pray to any God except me, the king. Daniel heard about this new law that had just been passed. And you know how he responded? Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned of the new decree, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel continued to pray. The king found out. And the result, we know, as the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den, when the angels showed up to shut the mouths of the lions because of Daniel's faithfulness. 
Now, that's an impressive story, but the thing that impresses me the most is this, that, that Daniel knew that his prayers wouldn't be answered for 70 years. He knew that the, if the king finds out I'm praying, he's going to have me killed. And yet he prayed with a sense of urgency. Now, I can't speak for all of you. I mean, some of you are probably pretty close with me. But I, in, in addition to being a pastor, am a professional procrastinator. I have studied hard at doing this for most all of my life. I'm good at it. I would, I would go in a procrastination competition with any of you. Even you, Cher. I promise. I might have you. I pr- I'm serious. John A. Hill tests to it. <laughs> I would have been tempted to wait a week at least before I started praying again. I mean, it was going to be 70 years before these prayers are heard. I, he might cut my head off tomorrow. Can't I just wait? Can't I just take a pause? Time out on the prayer life thing? Let's just, let's just chill out for a little while because we don't want to rile the king up. Not Daniel. He had the ability to pray in the 69th year as though it were tomorrow. As though God were answering it tomorrow. Even though he knew it was going to be 70 years. He had the ability to pray for, with urgency about things that weren't urgent. That's an important dimension to us praying long. Being willing to pray long. Drawing circles around things that, well, frankly, it can start to seem boring. Long and boring. You, you start to feel like, is God even listening? I mean, does God really care? I keep praying the same thing day after day, and there's nothing. Crickets. Silence is deafening. We circle the cancer. We circle our kids. We circle our spouse. We circle the dream that he's given us. Nothing. Doesn't seem like he's listening. It's not making a difference. What are you going to do? My advice is to take the advice of Daniel. It's to stop what you're doing and pray. Keep circling. For 70 years, if that's what it takes. What else are you going to do? What's, your, what's the alternative? Just to give up? To not be a part of what God is doing? To just say, okay, I'm out. We have to pray through. If we know what God is going to do, if we know what God wants to do, and he wants us to pray for it, then what are, are we not going to pray? We live in a culture that, that overvalues 15 minutes of fame and undervalues faithfulness. Everybody wants to see it, the flash in the pan right now. Maybe we, though we have it backwards. Maybe we have our, our role models a little twisted. Just as our greatest successes often come on the heels of our greatest failures, our greatest answers often come following our longest and most boring prayers. But if you pray long and boring prayers, I just want to say, your life is not going to be boring. Your life will turn into a spiritual adventure that you were created to live. Pray long and boring prayers with God. It won't always get you where you want to go, but it will always get you through what you're in. Daniel continued to pray. He'd been transformed. He had been transformed in that. 
Daniel, Daniel prayed these long and boring prayers. He used three different, things, three different tools, you might say, to pray these prayers. The first one's that he changed his posture. He went to his knees. He went to his knees. He laid down, prostrate before the Lord. He would stand up with his hands lifted high before the Lord. He would change his posture that, that, that communicated to God the attitude of his heart. Secondly, he fasted. We, know, we describe it today as a Daniel fast, but when Daniel fasted, it was just a fast, right? It was just, he was just fasting for the Lord. He gave up meat. He didn't eat meat to honor God. Jesus calls his followers to fast, to deny themselves in prayer. Hunger will remind you. Hunger will remind you that you need to pray. Desperation. Fasting. Denying yourself will keep you in prayer. I promise. And the third thing Daniel did is he kept a schedule. Now, he probably didn't have an alarm on his phone that went off that reminded him to pray. Probably didn't. Just guessing. But, but he, had, he prayed three times a day, right? Did he pray every day three times a day? Probably not. There were probably a couple times in there where he was sick and he slept right through it. Or, or he, just, he worked too hard or he ate too much the night before and he didn't wake up in time to do his morning prayer. But, but he continued to pray. His life was centered around. He was either just finishing or about to start prayer. That was just a normal rhythm of his life. Prayer was his life. Prayer life was his living. He lived a life of prayer. Daniel was thinking long term. Was absolutely thinking long term. Why? Because Daniel understood that God thought long term. God thinks long-term for us as well. In Revelation chapter 13, powerful piece of Scripture, and all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Huh? So my Jesus was killed before the world was made. Now, now, Chronologically, we know that's not true, that Jesus didn't, wasn't crucified before creation. But what John, the writer of the book of Revelation, is, is telling us was that God had planned Jesus before everything else. Jesus wasn't God's, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with these people? They're a mess. No. That wasn't, that wasn't how Jesus came about. Jesus was God's plan from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, Jesus... Like, God planned our rescue before the people who needed to be rescued were created. You get that? Before the people who needed to be rescued, that's me and you, humans, before we needed to be rescued, God had already made the plan of rescue. Why? Because he knew that, we, that humans were going to struggle with sin. We're not a surprise to him. He created us knowing we were going to struggle this way. So he made a way out before he created us. We live in a broken world that's filled with broken people, and broken people tend to break relationships, right? And so we've all experienced that. And when we, when we rely on people and they let us down, it's easy to lose hope, even if it's church folk who let us down. It's easy to lose hope. 
But remember that none of this is a surprise to God. He's known from the beginning. This is the key to seeing God work in our community, in your, in your family, in your business, with our children, with our grandchildren. Is knowing that God's plan takes time. That we put our trust in God. And He enables His people to not give up and to not give in. To not give up because, because He's not giving up on us. To not give in to the temptation to quit. Because we know our prayers matter. Because God is faithful. God keeps His promise. He doesn't live according to our timeline. The world tells us, what's the point in prayer? You can't count on people. And so it's hard to think long term. But do you know this? That They did a study of uh, people groups who are the most able to have delayed gratification. Which people group in the world would you think are the most able to, ha- to, to delay gratification? Do you know who they are? Who would you think? What people group? What would be a group of folk who would be the most able to delay gratification? You know who they were? Followers of God. Followers of Jesus. Because everything we know is, has an eternal timeline. Everything we know has an eternal timeline. It, at some level, we all accept that when we, when we surrender our lives to Jesus and trust in Him for eternal life. Right? Everything begins this eternal time clock. And so when we see the world, we know at some level... All of us who love Jesus, who've who've given our lives to him, who've surrendered to him, who've trusted him as our Savior, we all have been given this ability to to see the world as beyond what we see, as part of something much bigger. As a follower of Jesus, you have this wiring within you. The Holy Spirit is in you, trying to remind you that you can think long-term. You don't have to rely on the buy-it-now button. You can actually live different than the world. The world doesn't have a choice. You do. You do. Because we live for a life that is to come. We see the world with long-term significance. Peter, who said in his letter, 2 Peter, don't forget this one thing. Tell, Tell the person sitting next to you. Remember this one thing? Go ahead, tell them. They need to know this. Remember this one thing. Go ahead, let them know. Tell him, Mr. Dean. Tell him, Miss Anime. Remember this one thing, Dean. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. God takes a long view on our life. He hadn't given up on you. He hadn't given up on your child. He hadn't given up on your spouse. He hadn't given up on the situation you're in. So you shouldn't either. God hasn't given up on your neighbor. He hadn't given up on that person that irritates you at work. He hadn't given up on them. So you shouldn't either. God hadn't given up on your church, his church. So we shouldn't stop praying for what God wants to do in and through his church. Success isn't found in tomorrow's goals, but in today's faithfulness. Continue to pray. 
We're finishing a series of messages. But we're not finishing. We're just getting started with our prayer. That God would do something. That, that you have a, I pray, by this point, you have a specific thing that you have in mind that you want to see God fulfill. And you, and you find it in a promise of God in Scripture. That you find something that, that is significant for you. Something that is a big dream for you. And my prayer is that you begin to pray hard for it. And that you adapt long-term thinking about it. Begin to see that thing that you're praying for from God's point of view. And that way you won't give up and you won't lose heart. Because you can trust that God is working. Even if I don't get to experience it like Daniel, I may not get to be a part of it, but God, you're doing it. And I praise you for it. Amen? Amen. I'd like to pray for you. God, I thank you for what you're doing here in our midst. I ask you, Lord, that you would, that your spirit would make us faithful. That you would create in us an ability to do something that we don't, frankly, feel like we can do. That our, to know and trust that our success, spiritually speaking, would be found in a daily faithfulness to you. That we may never, never see the answer to our prayers, but we can pray and trust that you do, that you know that you are doing things that we can't see or imagine. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Two things I'll invite you on to just to, to join us. Uh, you'll see in the worship bulletin today, we're starting a, if, you're, if you have that version Bible app, we're, we're doing a, a reading plan that's on there. Um, it's in the program. I invite you to join us in that. It's a way we can read Scripture together and, and stay connected in that way uh, during the week. The second thing I would invite you is every third Saturday of the month, we've committed again <laughs> to, to a mission Saturday. The, Saturday. the third Saturday of the month, we're going to love Rock Hall. Uh, this Saturday, we're, last Saturday we, we gathered, or last month rather, we gathered to help one of our neighbors. He needed some help in his yard, and we, we got together. And a small group of us, wasn't a whole lot of y'all, a small group of us got together just to kind of clean up his yard and, and, and do all that, so he was blessed. This Saturday, we're going to do something in keeping with this Circle Maker theme. We're going to pray this community. We're going to gather at the charge office down there on that Saturday, and then we're going to go to different streets, different blocks in this community, and we're just going to walk and pray. Pray for the houses, pray for the businesses. We're going to pray for, for whoever's there, and, and we're going to ask God, if, if you bring somebody out, we're going to engage them. They're going to ask, why are you standing in my front yard? <laughs> and we're going to have to say, I'm praying for you. Right? I'm just praying for you. That's all. I don't even know your name, but I'm praying for you. So that's what we're going to be doing on Saturday. If you feel like that's a little too far for me, then you really need to be there. Because I won't put you out by, we won't send you out by yourself, but we're going to put you out with something. You're not going to be alone. You're going to go out there at least in twos, threes, fours, and we're going to do this together because I believe that God's going to reveal himself in powerful ways. So if you need to know that God is, that this stuff is real, then you need to be there Saturday. If you know this stuff is real, then I beg you to be there. That our community begs you to be there. And that we begin to pray for our community intentionally. Start next Saturday at 8 o'clock. Meet at the charge office, all right? Amen? God bless you. Thank you for being here. We're going to sing, right, Chris? Well, first of the prayer. Amen. Go for it. Uh, I just want to apologize to you all. For some reason, I look right past the second hand this morning. <laughs> Sorry. Right to the Jesus huddle. 
So that's why there was a little bit of confusion there. Uh, 